Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian with me, as usual, can't say as always because Vince missed one week, uh, are Zach and Vince, and we are back to talk about Invasion. Invasion was a um, 1998, uh, 88 rather, I'm sorry, 88, starting in 88, finishing in 89 um, event. It's amazing to me that this is less than a year after Millennium. Because it feels so different. It really does. It, it, yeah, it's completely different. Um, both in, in tone, content, and structure. Yeah, this seems <laughs> like this was a five years, like a, a response many years later. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It goes to show how much a creative team can really change the, the tone of something. Um Unlike the last one, uh, the last crossover, this is only three issues, although they are three 80-page issues, so it's probably about the same page count. It's actually probably more of a page count than than the Millennium issues. Um, but this was plotted by Keith Giffen, scripted by Bill Mantlo, and illustrated by Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is something like, I feel like when we think about Todd McFarlane, and Keith Giffen did some pencils too, I should say. Um, a couple of different. I think points. I think he did like uh, finishes or or maybe um, what's it uh, what's it called when the artist does layouts? I think he might have done. Layout. Oh. And then the third issue was illustrated by Bart Sears because Todd McFarlane even then couldn't finish a an assignment apparently. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a joke kind of. Uh, what I was going to say though was I feel like when you think of Todd McFarlane, you think of Marvel. I know he did DC stuff, but you think of his Spider Man, right? Like pre image. You think of his Spider-Man, mm-hmm. so it's weird to see him doing like Superman and stuff here. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a, a, th- I said a three-issue miniseries with a lot of tie-ins. We did not read any of the tie-ins, and unlike Millennium, I don't think you needed to read a single tie-in to understand what was happening. No, no because I think it caught you up on pretty much everything that happened in the tie-ins within like the first. 10 pages or so. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's a super effective and concise. Like, it, it, you could read these three issues and feel like you've gotten everything you need to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like three complete different events. It does. Or, yes, ma- or, maybe, or maybe more like two. I could argue that the first and the second are kind of two halves of one event, and then the third is a completely separate event. And sure. The, the third is the only part of the series that really involves the heroes in any real way. Like, yes, they are fighting off the invasion in issue two, but it, it's it almost doesn't matter who the heroes are. Right, there's this invading forces coming to Earth, and the heroes of Earth are trying to stop it. The third issue gets into like actual characters and their motivations and things, but the first two issues are really very much based on the villains, which is rare for this time, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I really liked this event a lot. I, I think. I think there were diminishing returns as it went on. Like, I think the first issue was the best issue. Second, second best. The third was the my least favorite. Um, but it was a good event, and I, I think very highly of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm probably less enthusiastic about you, Zach, but I think... That's more about the execution, which we'll get into, than than the actual. I think in concept and mostly in execution, it succeeds pretty well for me. There's a couple things that just bugged me about it, or bogged it down, or made it a little, a little bit of a drag to read at times. We'll we'll talk about it, but but overall, yeah, I you thought know, this was this was really good. You you know why I like this, right? Uh because Keith it's different cosmic. So it. Yeah, I was gonna say because I'm, it's I'm so reading, much like I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm reading the the Giffen DNA cosmic stuff from mid 2000s Marvel, and that this is this is that like 100, percent especially this first issue. Yes, it is just that to a T. Um, and it's it's like 
really good Keith Giffen cosmic stuff. And it it just shows like beat for beat that like DC has this like this stuff is in DC. You know, they have the potential to tell to do those kinds of stories. They just don't really. Yeah. Um, the stuff with tell me that the stuff with Vril Docs and the and the fu- the future like Legion slash Rebels characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me that that's not exactly like when we pick up with Star Lord. Oh and, yeah, yeah. That it's it, they're on a prison colony. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same. Setup. It's one hundred percent. Yeah, the same. The same. Yeah. And just like and twenty years later, great, right? Yeah, yeah. And like how great how well like Giffen uses all of these different um, DC races, which I actually didn't realize doing some reading a lot of these races. I'm not sure which ones had only appeared in Legion of superheroes up Mm -hmm. to this point. So this was like the first time that they were in kind of like current timeline DC. Um, But just how unique and like well fleshed out each one is even things like the, the coon and the, um, the Okarans, which are like kind of similar, but given, variations to make them distinct and just how well fleshed out each of the different races are it's just such good sci-fi um and like one of the things um that has like stood out to me reading all of the marvel cosmic stuff is just how poor a substitute the nova core is to the green lantern core and like how even though there aren't very many active green lanterns at this point like how well they're used too and just like you've got green lantern you've got the thanagarians you've got adam strange you've got um you know like the daxamites come in and play an important role mm-hmm. um you've got vril docs oh man it's just the omega men like dc yep. cosmic is so rich and it's just not not used it's just not used it's Someone, such a bummer someone's do it someone's got to do it um in our lifetime, please. Yeah. So, Brian, do you want to talk about how you feel about this overall? And then, Zach, do you want to kind of lead us through it relatively chronologically this time? Or do you want yeah. me to do that's it? Fine. Or? No, that's, that's, that's fine good. to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I liked this. I, I thought that the third issue was the one that was the most compelling from a like DC Universe standpoint, where you're seeing characters that you know affected by this in a way that felt more personal. I said the first issue especially is is weirdly not personal in the slightest. You're you're basically getting the perspective of the dominators and their alliance and this the, the main DC characters are almost an afterthought there. Um and that's not a criticism, but I just felt like I I am not as much of a fan of the cosmic DC stuff as you guys are. I like it. I'm just not. I think you guys are just bigger fans than I am of it. And so the first issue took me a while to get into it because it just felt like it didn't feel like the stuff that I'm typically enjoying in DC. And so it was a little bit slow going. But once I got into it, I really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah. So I probably fall... Yeah. Closer to Vince than Zach, but not not terribly far. Yeah, that, that that's interesting though because like the lack of focus on the DC like hero characters is precisely why I liked this issue so much. Um, and as like it became more, is that because you're a Marvel boy? Probably, yeah. Um, I just uh, yeah, I just thought like this feels so novel and different and like not just like legends or, you know, or cry or even cry, you know, this feels very different. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, which is why I think I feel as the series went on, I, it felt less special to me, more generic. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so just kind of like starting off um, issue one. Interestingly, each each issue is divided into. Um, I think the first two issues are both four chapters each, and the last issue is three chapters. So, in a way, this is almost kind of a, an eleven issue story. Um, which that's another thing I love is that I I, I like when comics break down into chapters. Um, I feel like that w- that's definitely like a more um, antiquated thing. Um, I've been reading through some Claremont X-Men and he did that a lot. Um, 
but that that's just like a small thing. But um, so yeah, issue one picks up with the the Dominators and the Kund, which are both, uh, you know, alien races in the DC universe, um, doing some really messed up experiments uh, where they basically have a group of humans that they have in like an execution squad um, getting ready to like essentially like execute all of them just to see which ones survive due to their uh, their metagene activating which um, to this point I don't really guess like the idea of the metagene was like really a thing in DC Comics do either of you have any insight there the the meta this is the introduction of the metagene. I was okay. gonna say that's this is where the the metagene becomes a thing. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of what I thought. Um, so yeah, so uh, you know, all of these humans. I think there's about fifty humans. They all get massacred, but but six survive. And uh, so already, um, <laughs> this within the first five pages of invasion, uh, we get our new guardians already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, these are the blasters and we will see them more later, but, um, of note, the only one that we recognize is Snapper Carr, who was the, uh, mascot of the original Justice League of America, um, who, who has now developed powers. And, um, funny enough, the only thing I really know Snapper Carr from is from one of the Final Crisis tie-in issues. Um, so... Fun fact there. I, I was just telling the boys before we started recording that Snapper Car is essentially the second lead in the Tom Payer Hour Man series from the late nineties. And so I've been reading a lot of Snapper Car stories lately. What is there does he ever get good? Like what makes him compelling? He I is, get pissed off every time I see him. He's very because... good in Hour Man. Okay. All right, if you say so. I, I that entire series is on DC Universe. It's twenty five issues. And it's well worth your time. I'll get to it eventually. Yep. Eventually. He will. He'll do it. Um, so moving on, we get a little bit more background about the Dominators. Um, they uh, have an interest in, in Earth um, because uh, humans are so um, genetically diverse. They look different. Uh, from each other, which apparently this is kind of establishing that a lot of the alien races in the DC universe don't have a lot of, um, basically they all look the same. <laughs> is yeah. what they're yeah. kind of saying. Everyone looks yeah. the same, which yeah. is very convenient from an artistic standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> um, you just draw the same thing over and over again. Um, but, uh, you know, the dominators are kind of a, uh, they're like a cast based, uh, society with uh, the only differentiating factor being how big the the circle on their forehead is, um, which is funny. Um, but they they I, I do just want to say that um, Todd McFarlane's design of the Dominators here is this the first appearance of them? I think that they had been in Legion comics before, but I'm I'm not positive. Let me let me check. Um, but I was gonna say like McFarlane draws them in a way that. Is just so like again. How was this later in the year after Millennium? And these these aliens look menacing, and um, you know, truly are are scary looking at, at times, and so different than the milk toast villains we get around the same time in so many other DC books. And you see how how far ahead of his time McFarlane was in his in some of his artistic designs here. Um, even though it's a style sure. I'm not a huge fan of in general, I think here it works really well. Yeah, no, I, I think that the art in this series is is really good. Um, some, of the, I think it, like, Giffen is a really good layout artist. You know, he did that in 52. Um, and... He he's just a really kind of adaptive artist. His his Legion stuff is really good. His older Legion stuff and having having McFarlane over this is just it's very detailed, um, kind of insanely so considering the page count of this book. But um, so the Dominators were first introduced in 1967 in Legion, and then I think they had it looks like they had one other appearance in the 70s. But then this 
invasion was kind of like a major revival for them as a as a concept so um this made them i guess like a big deal sort of um but we find out that um so I guess I'm not really up on the Green Lantern Corps status quo at this point, but it seems like all but I think four lanterns, I think it says, have have kind of lost their power rings. Um, but there's still ex-Green Lantern characters who were sympathetic to Earth across the galaxy and the 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 Dominator Kund Alliance are, are kind of tar- targeting them, assassinating them to kind of cease this um earth sympathetic movement that's starting as they're also uh courting other alien races like the thanagarians um the ranians um the daxamites a lot of, a lot of different alien races that they form this alliance with to go to war with earth um so we we actually the the alliance ends up being um Kund, I assume I'm saying that right. I don't know. I, Kund sounds weird. I don't know. Yeah, you're just trying to be polite by not saying Kund. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm gonna keep I'm, saying Kund. <laughs> yeah, my my joke about Superman pounding some Kund from an earlier episode doesn't make any sure, sense. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Um, and the Daxamites, uh, the the Gil Dishpans. Um, yeah. Which I think are another Legion race. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Citadel, which hey. we. Before, hang on. Do you know where we most recently saw Gildish Pan? No. Steve Orlando's uh, Electric Warriors. Oh, you're right. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then also the the Citadelians, which we saw most recently in Tom King's Omega Men. Um, The Okarans, which I think are from the same planet that Larfleys came from. Ooh. Or where, not where he came from, but where he was in the Vega system. I'm pretty sure that's Okara. Um, the Durlins, who are like the scrolls of the DC universe, basically they're shapeshifters. Uh, Daxamites and Scions are that makes up the Alliance. And um, I just want to say one quick yeah. thing before we go too much further. I believe at this point, even Kilowog is not a Green Lantern anymore. As we see him riding like a space scooter at some point in one of these issues, I'm gonna shoot three. And so yeah, I, I think the Green Lanterns, a lot of them are still wearing their uniforms, but are not do not right. have power rings. It's a very weird status quo. Yeah, I, it it is weird. I think the only lanterns are, I guess, Hal, Guy, John. Um, it, well, John's not in this though, is he? I don't think we see him. Yeah, I'm not. I is think Nord have, one. What? I'm not sure. <laughs> but I, is, I know well, Kilowog is not. Is not a okay. here. Okay. Well, at least Hal and John are for sure. Hal and um, Guy. I mean, that's what I meant. Yeah, Hal and Guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that kind of gets us to the end of chapter one. Um, Chapter two, we're introduced to the Starlag containment craft, which is essentially like the the kiln in, I think that's what it's called, in um, in Annihilation, the big prison ship. Um, and we have the Spider Guild, which is another big cosmic uh, group, which are, are used a lot in Jeff John's Green Lantern books. Um, they're bringing in prisoners and one of their prisoners is Adam Strange who has given himself over as kind of a peace offering to keep Ran out of the war, uh, which is like such a great concept and use of him, I think, um, to kind of set him up as like the main resistance leader within this prison uh, population. I, I really liked how Adam Strange was used here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we find out that they are smuggling in uh, superpowered meta, you know, meta gene individuals into this uh, into this prison uh, ship, specifically to an area called the Black Module. Um, and uh, we have the Omega Men uh, who kind of stumble upon. Um, 
Well, okay. I no, they don't they don't come to the Starlag. They they come across a ship that they think is being piloted by Primus, who was Primus Primus was in Tom King's Omega Men, right? Yes. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Primus is um, also the name of a character, unrelated character in um Batman Odyssey, the the bonkers Neil Adams uh, book, where Ooh. Primus was like a ha- was like basically a, a caveman, um, that teams up with Batman and Robin. Okay, interesting. Prim- Primus is also a '80s and '90s funk metal band. Yes, that. Uh, I would s- I would say late '80s to today, but sure. To today, okay, all right. Sure. I was sure. a big Primus sure. fan back in the day. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they, they come up on this ship that, that's hailing them, but it turns out it's actually uh, a bunch of Daxamites <laughs> who have merged together to form this ship, and they attack the Omega Men. Some of them die. The rest get taken to the Starlag prison. Um, we find out that Vril Docks... Uh, future leader of the the acronym Legion and and Rebels is on the ship. Um, is he also, ever he's... identified by name here? Um, God, I want to say in I want to say in one of the later issues he is. Yeah, I think in issue two he is, but don't we'll get there. <laughs> I can't I can't actually remember. Remember if he is or not. If, if they don't call him Vril Dox, somebody does refer to him as Dox for yes. sure. We're we're Vril. Yeah. Yeah. One of his two names, yeah. Um so so yeah, we um I don't know, there's not a ton in this chapter. It is kind of mostly just like setting up all of the different races. And their kind of armadas to go onto Earth and start attacking Earth. You know, we get a lot of great um, spaceship designs, um, kind of differentiating each of the different races. Uh, I think kind of one of the most important parts here is we're introduced to this um, this lower cast dominator character who plays a big role in the later issues. Um, yes. Who's kind of focus? He's he's focused is studying on the studying the metagene and um, doing a lot of research um, on the metagene and potentially neutralizing it, which is not what the the upper casts are wanting to do. So that's just, yeah, he's seated here uh, for, for future issues. Um, I think that's pretty much everything that's important in chapter to kind of flipping through here i don't have any other like major notes do you guys have anything Mm-mm. no let's see or was well, that was that is, still chapter two this is one that chapter I, three i want to say about the just the, the the event in general this is now the second or third event we've done in a row that does not have Batman as a major character. And how that feels very strange from a 2020 perspective. But it's refreshing. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So that was my bad. That that the the that dominator character was intro- was in chapter 3. I just missed the the caption head. Um yeah. I, I don't have it broken down by chapters in my notes, so yeah, yeah. I, so I, I, I won't be any help in that regard. Sure, sure. So, so, um, kind of the next big thing um, over the course of the issue, um, we're kind of teased that, or, or you know, it's explained that uh, Adam Strange, you know, will eventually be slingshot, shotted back to Earth by the Zeta Beam, and so that's another reason that he is kind of infiltrating the Starlag prison ship, and he he eventually does. Um, make his escape by Zeta Beam, but the the Kund are there on Earth waiting for him, and and as a consequence of his escape, uh, the Okarans um, kind of um, decimate a number of the remaining prisoners to kind of make a show, which is pretty grim. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, again, like this. Uh, this 
event I feel like has a lot more um, depth to it, a lot more weight compared to Millennium. Just again, kind of like stretching the the gap between the two of them. It, it, you're right. It does feel like Millennium feels more like a late, you know, a 70s comic to me. Whereas this kind of feels like very much of the mid to late 80s comics aren't for kids anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, we, I think we mentioned that with the Legends, how it started, the, the DCU started to like philosophically darken a little bit at this point. And I think, yeah, I think, I think that only continues as we go along. Uh, and certainly it will get darker than this, but yeah, I totally agree with you, Zach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the invasion finally happens in chapter four, um, and it's centered over Melbourne, Australia. Uh, and they just, they just go ham on Australia. Um, <laughs> just, just destroy it. Now, why um, do you suppose they picked Australia? I don't. It's I'm the fifth, kidding. It's the I'm, fifth I'm kidding. largest landmass. <laughs> Anything we say is going to be a Bad. problem. Um, the the Daxamites, this this Daxamite delegation who makes it to Earth, find out that they do get uh, Superman-like powers, uh, which I don't know if that had been established at this point in DC history. Um, I I want to say this was the beginning of that too. So, okay, I'm gonna look this I up. I don't know because... that. I, because I, I believe Monel was already around by this point, but I believe he was not a Daxamite early on in his in his appearances. Yeah, yeah. Was okay. Go ahead. Sorry, Vince. I, well, I was just gonna say, wasn't he wasn't he thought of or considered a, a Kryptonian? Yes, but that was eventually retconned into into him right. being a Daxamite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing while you're looking this up, Brian, one thing I want to mention is how much I liked. So I love the role that the different aliens play in this, the different alien races, but particularly the, the Kund and the, and the dominators. I love their back and forth because I love that the, 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 the dominion, essentially think of themselves as the de facto leaders of this alliance. And, but you get a sense that the Cond are there to be the muscle, but they, they're, they're also trying to, they're kind of the upstarts. Like they don't, they don't think that the dominators are pushing hard enough. And I love that push and pull between them. I think that's, that aspect is really well done. And I think it's established really well. I think you see it, you know, these are really long issues. And over the course of this first issue, you see that um, that kind of uh, con resentment bubbling up the longer it goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that part's really well done, particularly. Um, so it looks yeah. like, it looks like uh, Monel was made a Daxamite in the early 60s or so, okay. some, sometime in the 60s um, but that he sort of rebooted here and it says that he was basically I guess his father is one of is his father is the Daxamite that sacrifices himself in this issue mm. in this book rather and that he was inspired by his father's sacrifice and he joins the Legion, the, the Vril Docs, you know, acronym Legion because of that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I think uh, kind of right after this section, it's on uh, page 68. If you're reading the DC Universe copy of this, there's this really, I think, interesting side profile of a Dominator where their face is just almost completely flat. And those teeth are just so... It's just such a striking design, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, so 
again, good on McFarlane. Um, then towards the end of this issue, things get really interesting where the book kind of explains why none of the magic characters are going to be doing yeah. anything in the series. Yep. <laughs> yep. And if you listen to last uh, week's episode about, uh, uh, Millennium, you'll hear Brian give a little spiel about the Spectre uh, wanting to interfere, but then not wanting to, but then needing to, but then not really doing that. And yeah. the same thing essentially happens here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Lords of Order tell the Spectre that he can't get involved because then the, the Lords of Chaos may back the aliens and it would get worse, so... Whatever, that's fine. McFarland's Spectre looks fantastic. Um, yeah. So good. Um, so, so yeah, no no magic characters here, but we do uh, get um, the Suicide Squad and the JLI pulled in through Amanda Waller and Maxwell Lord, um, which I... Of course, I mean, of course they are going to be involved. They were at least my impression is those were both major uh you know um teams at, in dc at that time so of course like they're gonna they're gonna come into it but it again like harkens back to and what i said on the last episode about millennium just kind of how internationally focused dc is at this time um the united nations plays a huge role um, you know, the main, the main battle zone is in Australia rather than the U S um, justice league international plays a major role, um, which just is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the, the first issue ends with the scene at the daily planet. We see at the, the headline, um, Earth invaders drop dead, so they do not. Um, well, we didn't really you know, say get... the, the 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 deal is that there, there's all. Yeah. First of all, Darkseid is part of this very briefly too. Darkseid basically says, "Oh, you're right. I, I did miss you, that. Yeah. You can do whatever you want to the heroes. You got to leave Earth intact." And the, and the Dax, the um, Dominators are like, he thinks the anti-life equation is on Earth, and that's why he wants to spare it. And so they make a deal with Darkseid right. that, that they can't kill all of Earth. And so the, the the proposal is, you give us all your heroes, and we'll leave your planet be, essentially. Yes, and they do capture their first metahuman, the Tam Tasmanian Devil. Yes. Um, in Australia. So, so Earth, you know, does not... Uh, Earth does not give in to terrorist demands, uh, <laughs> and they are going to fight. So, yeah, that's issue one, uh, the best issue. Um, issue two was, I, I found it much less interesting overall, and I probably won't go through it as beat by beat just because it is very long. The first few mm -hmm. pages are just kind of recap of all the stuff that happens in the tie-in issues. Um, we apparently, you know, there was an Aquaman Doom Patrol team up in Atlantis. Um, Starman, is that is that Will Payton? That is Will Payton, Starman? yes. Yes. Yeah, he, he, um, he does some things. <laughs> uh, the Atom... <laughs> The Atom, Firestorm, Firehawk, um, all did a lot of things in the tie-ins. Uh, Extraño and the New Guardians get mentioned. Uh, Flash, Captain Atom, a lot of yeah. The, it's really interesting. These first few pages are it, it's in an eight-panel grid, um, two by four, and it it's like each panel is either so it's almost kind of like data pages we get um you know a breakdown of all the invading alien races we get recaps of the events from the tie-ins um but it's under the kind of auspice of a of a debriefing by the the commanders of the of the earth army which are uh, amanda waller captain adam um I actually think there is a page. Yeah, so it's um, 
General Wade Eiling of the Earth Armed Forces, Captain Adam, Amanda Waller, and Maxwell Lord are kind of the leaders of everything, which it's it's interesting to me, again, how kind of front and center Captain Adam is in this era of DC. He's like almost the Superman figure. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. a huge part of this. I, I think along those lines, it's also weird to see Maxwell Lord treated as basically a straight-up hero here. Or at least at least somebody with 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 good intent. No one's questioning Maxwell Lord's intentions, which after yeah. a certain point we never really see that again. He's always a shady figure, right? Which this this series is kind of the beginning of that, um, which we'll get to in the third issue, I think, um, with some stuff that happens. But I this this issue is is pretty much just the heroes fight the invasion. Um, yeah, and this is where I kind of alluded to when we started. This is where my quibbles with the the storytelling, the pacing, kind of start. I I, I think I think the pacing gets better in in issue three, but this issue just feels uh, so much less. I mean, even though like technically a lot happens, you're right. They fight off the invasion. Uh, spoiler alert: they end up winning. But but. Just something about the recap pages, and I feel like some of the some of the dominate the time we spend with the dominators is a little redundant. I feel like we keep going back to that that head dominator, um, and it's 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 kind of a lot of like uh, cackling villainy stuff that we already we already kind of get. You know, um, there's a little like again, this series is really great. But it gets a little bogged down in the middle here, if you ask me. I, I think that that's fair. They're, they're like, I, I think that I would agree with you for the most part. Um, it felt there are me... some good bits. Sorry, Zach, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. No, you go ahead. I was going to say. Well, if... I was just going to say, I, I did. Oh, we, you go. I, right. I insist. Right. What I was going to say was that I feel like there's very much a mission statement for the first issue and a mission statement for the third issue. But the second issue's mission statement is to bridge the two. And so mm-hmm. you get an yeah. issue that doesn't have a whole lot going on other than setting things – other than closing certain doors and opening others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. You know, that's – it's 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 workmanlike in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's some – I was going to say there's some fun stuff with the different teams that kind of go off and fight the different fronts. Like – the the stuff with Aquaman and the Doom Patrol and Atlantis fighting the Gildish Pan was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman and the Daxamites was enjoyable, I think. Yes. Um, yep. There's like a weird beat where Lex Luthor, who has a robot hand, is making human <laughs> bombs to send. <laughs> which not human bombs. Wild superhero bombs. Super, superhero bombs. You're superhero right. Superhero bombs. Yeah. And he's just like, what'll Superman think when he sees my hero bombs? Yeah. I wonder if these would work against him. Now, uh, Lex, they wouldn't. Come on. Yeah. No. Come on. Come on. Um, but yeah, kind of the major turning point of this issue is the the Daxamites. Um, kind of, uh, they. They get an idea of what's going on here. Um, kind of Superman kind of turns them to the side of Earth, and um, the the combined like that the the five or so Daxamites who are left one one like you all mentioned does uh, kind of sacrifice himself to send a message to Daxam, but though they join up with kind of the most powerful heroes and just just kind of wreck everyone (laughs) um Mm -hmm. which which is fun it is like very i felt like that stuff was very satisfying in a way i mean it didn't feel like a like a deus ex machina victory even though in a way it kind of is um because it's just like oh the daxamites have powers now and that turns the tide um but I, i felt like it the, the dismantling of the threat I thought was handled in a pretty satisfying way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Zach, so, Zach, you brought up the doom patrol. This is probably where, where we should mention that, uh, Grant Morrison's doom patrol run 
starts directly after this pretty much yeah yeah and so pretty much a lot of the doom patrol characters die in this and it's it's reportedly the the characters that grant didn't want to use were were killed off in this series um one of the wildest things that happens at the end of this issue though is how kind of reneging on our um no magic characters getting involved dead man does a really <laughs> wild thing that's the, the best of part of the whole series i love that so much yeah go go off on it well so essentially uh well hang on refresh my memory what is what is the dominator doing that he jumps into him so so there's like a button if that's like a <laughs> surrender button. button or a self-destruct button essentially yeah, yeah. we either surrender or we self-destruct yeah and, and and the dominator is like is cackling about how he's going to stop everything and how they're gonna win and then dead man jumps in and basically kills the dude <laughs> uh yeah off self-destruct. Well, he, he, he... no he doesn't he doesn't self-destruct because that was going to kill everyone but he makes him surrender. That's he makes yes, the Dominator yes, surrender. Yes, 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 yeah. yeah, and then the 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 Kund or Khan like kills the Dominator, or no, he attacks him, I think, and then Ted Man possesses the the Kund and then like makes him commit suicide. <laughs> I just I in my graphically, notes, I, just, I just have written go off Dead Man. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they win. And, um, but there's this really interesting, the, the, the issue ends with this kind of news style broadcast thing, which is just such an eighties thing. Um, and it's just kind of like going off about how, you know, earth is saved. The heroes are great. All nations are united against a common enemy. But then on the last panel, really anticlimactically, it says, in other news, the tiny Gulf state of Bialya, taking advantage of the confusion, has invaded the neighboring nation of Kunish. Some things, it seems, never change. Um, which I actually read is a seed for some other story that happens where, like, oh, a dominator man. on Earth, uh, like, takes control of the queen of hive uh or not hive whatever um checkmate not checkmate it, it's it's an actual it's like a b-themed villain organization in dc but it's not like it's not like marvel's hive it's like an actual hive themed i think they've been they were featured a lot in the new 52 teen titans books um the labdell stuff the colony was the last now i think they were called hive um hold on the hierarchy of international vengeance and extermination yes that's um yeah yeah has something to do with them um a, a dominator remains on earth and and somehow takes control of queen bee um so that that's a whole other story there. Queen Bee is kind of nice with it. <laughs> Are you looking at the Kenneth Rockefeller picture? I don't know which one. It doesn't look like Rockefeller. Oh, okay. Um, there's there's a nice one where she's cradling a uh, <laughs> an unconscious Superman. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, let's, let's settle down. Yeah. So so yeah so definitely issue two was the the bridge between um what was the invasion in issue one and a and a completely different event that is issue three um where the the low cast dominator comes back with the fruits of his research which is a uh, gene bomb that is I don't even like really know how to describe it. It's like a mix of they keep calling it the inversion because the first few pages are kind of these uh, like monochromatic, yeah, yeah, um, which just reminds me of Rick Remender's Axis mini, mm. where the, they had the inversions where good characters turn bad and bad ter- characters turn good. Um, That's not this. Not this. This just. I don't really know what this is supposed to do. It really, the the effect is it makes a lot of heroes really sick and they so might die. What I kind of took from this was that 
any any hero who was born on Earth and whose powers come from within was being affected. So that's why Superman's not there. He's an alien. The Green Lanterns have their rings, and so th- therefore they're not like supernatural by default. You know, mm-hmm. so it seemed like you know Batman the meta gene thing. Yeah, exactly. Unless yeah. you have a meta gene, you're you know you're okay. Yeah, which interestingly, the new guardians are affected, um, which I guess implicates that the new that the the guardian uh, just activated gave, their gave meta gene or or, yeah. or activated it. Yeah. Um, what was all that numerology for? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, there are some really interesting characters that get featured prominently in this, um, like Animal Man. Yep. Who's yep. referred to uh, as a new character a bunch of times. Like, hey, there's that new yeah. guy, Animal Man. <laughs> yeah, which I don't know when this was in relation to Morrison's Animal Man. I think, oh, God, I think his Animal Man may have just been starting. Hang on. It's not far okay. off. Regardless, yeah. yeah. Let, let me, let me. You guys talk. I'll look this up. Who else was? Were you interested? Se- in see September, people? September eighty-eight. So it would have been more or less contemporaneously. Yeah, this would months. have been like, yeah. yeah, two months before. Yeah, this. yeah. Um, so Animal Man, uh, the New Guardians make an appearance. Um, more kind of um, Doomsday Clock vibes where. Uh, Firestorm goes off in Moscow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um the there's a, a manhunter that we've seen before but he, you know, he's kind of doing things uh the the magic characters do show up with the Spectre and and Dr. Fate um who Dr. Fate is interest, interestingly affected by this um which I do think this is a newer Dr. Fate correct this isn't yeah kent nelson it's um oh damn it what were their names it was a couple it was a <sighs> talk amongst yourselves again i gotta look this up it was like a husband and wife yes but it, but it wasn't kent and inza uh nelson both of whom were dr fates at one point this is different oh right 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 no 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 uh eric and linda strauss mm-hmm. okay um Gnort does show up. I, I guess he is one of the lanterns because he has a ring on his furry hand. Yep. Um. So. Um. So yeah, basically the the early part of this issue is just all of the Earth-born metahumans getting very sick, uh, to the point of near death. Um. And they are taken to a a medical center provided by Lex, or a repurposed LexCorp facility that that is used to house all of these heroes, the Metaplex, mm. as it's called. Um, we get a lot of these, um, you know, this General Eiling, this Doctor Megalus, who I'm I'm not familiar with any of either of them, or Megala, Doctor Megala, who. Uh- yeah, so. Doctor Megala. He, um, God, what, what? I read a lot of him in some book. I can't remember. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, he looks like a one of those like epic bourbon beard bastard guys, or like a why like a YA lit author on Twitter <laughs> is what he looks like. Oh no! That oh, tweets about no. epic epic bacon coffee all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, you know, we have all of these sick heroes and the the brilliant plan um, that is is submitted to the remaining heroes, which consist of Rocket Red, Starman, our two Green Lanterns, Robot Man and Martian Manhunter is to go to the Dominion homeworld and try to see if they have an antidote, um, which is an interesting leap in logic. But I guess they also aren't left with a lot of options, right? Yeah. Also, Batman comes in and throws down major force yes. for some reason. Yeah. Just you, you got to have Batman. 
there's a there's a beat that runs through the third issue where about five different characters say to a news person, get that fucking camera out of my face. <laughs> like everybody's yes. saying it over and over again. Batman says it, Guy Gardner says it. Uh, it's a funny little running gag that goes along there. It is. Um, so those heroes go off into space. Uh, the two Green Lanterns are going to kind of, you know, hyperspace them to the Dominion homeworld, but... Uh, they instead run into Superman, who, again, once I feel like there's a recurring theme where if you're going to read any tie-ins for these series, you should read the Superman ones because for some reason, Superman has kind of um, exiled himself into outer space because he's been doing some shady things on Earth. Um, it basically says it makes it sound like he's sleepwalking and doing crimes while he's not awake. Basically, yeah, yeah. So, um, once again, I feel like that is uh, becoming a, a good rule of thumb. Just read the Superman tie-ins. Um, but they meet up with Superman and also end up uh, conveniently meeting up with the Omega Men, who also have the blasters with them. So, this kind of becomes our team of heroes who are going to go up against the Dominion and trying to cure Earth's heroes. And and actually this I really do like this part because it does kind of get back to the cosmic side of DC stuff um, yeah so th th this was a lot of fun and I wish that DC did uh, more of this kind of thing when when is the last time that they really did a cosmic centric story um, <clears throat> well Tom King's Omega Man yeah, the book we can um, never remember the name of, where it's it was that uh, threshold. 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 Yep. There you go. Which was also Giffen. Yes, yes, it was. Yep. Yeah. So Giffen, Giffen's trying to keep that flame alive. I guess Abnet is kind of doing some of that stuff in Odyssey right now, but it's just not really what I want. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but you know your point stands because. The, the thing is, is that most of the, if if DC ever does use a cosmic element, it's usually in isolation. It's not sure. It's not this nice crossover yeah. and not everything has to be invasion. But like. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. uh, far sector doesn't involve any of these particular alien races, but there is a little bit of that, like different alien races bouncing off of one another with different traits type mm -hmm. field it's not ex it's not exactly what you're talking about but it's probably the closest thing i've seen in a while yeah I mean, and i mean morrison is doing that a bit with greed lantern and and snyder has actually i mean he's done a lot of things with cosmic characters in justice league but it's still more justice league earth focused yeah it's very grounded well yeah. what i was going to say though is i mean bendis is also doing some of this in legion that's true. Yeah, he is. Um, and even to his, like some degree in Superman with the United Planets. Yes. Kind of big. And may, so maybe we will be seeing more of that. Um, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. I don't know if you guys remember like around Infinite Crisis and post that Jim Starlin was doing a ton of cosmic stuff at DC with like Adam Strange and Captain Comet um and the hawks i never read any of that but it always it always looked really interesting to me it probably wasn't very good but um well you know it's funny for a long time these characters were all sort of missing there wasn't a hawkman ongoing there wasn't a legion ongoing and now we're getting all mm -hmm. that stuff back again so maybe maybe like you said maybe we are getting more of that yeah yeah so um the these heroes make it to the dominion homeworld but actually only two of them end up um playing a major role actually three i'll say three of them play a major role and they i felt like this part was handled really well and was actually very creative the way that they get the plans for the antidote of the of the gene bomb um what what happens essentially is that snapper car who now has powers he can he can teleport himself and other individuals by snapping very convenient based on his name. Um, and so he snaps down 
Robot Man and Martian Manhunter, uh, who are both able to infiltrate because uh, Robot Man is a robot, and Martian Manhunter becomes a a dominator, conveniently one who is very high cast. <laughs> yeah, totally um, by by luck too. By like, yeah, <laughs> very yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he um he he gets into this prison where the the dominator is being held because he you know he has kind of gone against the the wishes of the the high caste dominators who are wanting to try to you know harvest earth's metahumans and now he's kind of put them all in danger uh and and he just kind of walks in and and essentially just reads his mind until he finds the antidote and then they leave um it's a very simple but elegant solution to the problem um which I feel like in this kind of event book would have just been handled with a big superhero brawl. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I liked the um, sort of uh, espionage infiltration aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although we do eventually get the brawl um, that we. Uh, would maybe expect when the heroes go assault the Starlag prison. Um, and the the reason they do that is because that is where the Dominator's lab was and they have to get there to make the antidote. Um, so there is, there is still quite a bit of, you know, action and, and adventure and, and all that stuff that you would expect. Um, but of course they do make the antidote they save the day. Everyone's happy, except for Superman. He still has to stay in outer space, yeah. and uh, we get the extra, extra, extra Daily Planet rebirth. Earth, hero, Earth's heroes cured. Uh, rebirth. I know, right? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, all's well that ends well. Yeah, there was definitely some Doomsday Clock vibes because of the like Moscow firestorm thing. There was definitely some, um, like, like you said, like a justice league odyssey type cosmic stuff in there. But this event felt really singular. Like, even though there were, there were little hints of things, it felt like a really singular event. And it felt like, I mean, at least to my knowledge, one of the strongest DC cosmic events ever. Yeah, no, I I agree. Other than maybe some of like the John's Green Lantern stuff, um, which that even nec- I guess maybe like Sinestro Core War was probably the most com- cosmic of those events, um, and even a lot of that happened on Earth. Um, but yeah, this this was good. I this actually really makes me want to read some of the. DC cosmic stuff in this era, you know, Legion spins out of this. Um, you know, eventually we may get to another um, crossover that I actually don't know if Giffen had a hand in, but the the Trinity crossover, which features um, the Dark Stars, the Green Lanterns, and Legion, mm-hmm. um, which like. Man, the Dark Stars, at, at a time, think, imagine at a time there there were multiple DC cosmic books going on yeah. between, between the Green Lanterns, Legion, Dark Stars, the Hawks were cosmic characters at well, that time. Hang on, I, I, let me do some Dark Stars research here. I'm pretty sure that Dark Stars really ramped up after Hal Jordan destroyed the Green Lantern Corps. So they they were kind of like the the secondary team and then once there was no more Green Lantern Corps they became the 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 cosmic crew. Cuz like at that point Donna yep. Troy was one and John Stewart was mm-hmm. one. Um, yep. Yeah, this Trinity. By the way, this Trinity series. It's uh, Gerard Jones ooh, and uh, uh, Mark, uh, and Mark Wade. Eve. Uh, um, 
Maybe we won't read that. I don't know. I think, um, I think, I think we will. Yeah, I think we will, too. Yeah, so Dark Stars number one came out in 92, so three years after this. Yeah. And uh, that would have been really close to when the Hal Jordan Parallax stuff happened. Yeah. Um, that happened. Yeah. Let's see. Um, March 94, so like two years later. Not even two years later, a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. But the Dark Star series ran for 38 issues. Actually, it, it didn't even it didn't even make it two years after the Green Lantern Corps stuff. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Any, yeah. Anyway, your point stands. It was great. I mean, and when you look at the list of of um, of members on Wikipedia, there were a bunch of there were more ex Green Lanterns than I remembered. Tomar Two was one. Guy Gardner was one. Uh, Gnort was one. Huh. Look at that. Look at that. And th- but but totally different from the Dark Stars of Grant Morrison's Green Lantern run. Right. Which I think those are the black stars. I'm right? sorry. Yes, those are the black stars. Yes. Yeah. Just as I, th- I, I mean, I think that was Grant kind of intentionally just yes. doing something a little different. Yeah. Um, but I think this was like, I think this is ultimately the influence of kind of people like Giffen and Paul Levitz, who was still really influential at DC at the time and was very big on kind of the cosmic. Legion was still like a pretty influential force at the time, I think, was still doing pretty well. And that's where a lot of these concepts and characters and, and even kind of the tone is pulling out of um, Legion of Superheroes. I mean, not Legion. Uh, not the acronym. One. Drill Docs. Yeah. yeah, not the acronym one, which was kind of a in a way, kind of like a a retroactive precursor, I think, to legion of superheroes um and featured a lot of fun characters like lobo and uh captain comet um that that series actually looks really interesting i kind of want to check it out it ran for 70 issues after this it did yes i've read a couple because like there's a there's a great uh legion issue with lobo and captain marvel that i've read um and there Mm -hmm. are I've, i've probably read half a dozen or so issues just it from other I things. Saw, I think I saw. Was that the War of the Gods crossover yes, issue? It was, yes. Uh huh. Yeah, I saw that flipping through that. So probably get to that one eventually. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, just a a pretty interesting little piece of DC history, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I guess we really kind of did see the second wave of that around the Jeff Johns time. Cause you know, that's when we had the rebel series, which was like a spiritual sequel to Legion. Right. Um, and the green lantern stuff was ramped up. Um, yeah. All this stuff is cyclical. <laughs> yeah. I, it seems like though we've been, there's been longer, the, the cycles used to run quicker than they run now. Mm-hmm. There's more time in between them. Yeah, everything is much faster now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I have to say on Invasion. Well, folks, we are in for a ride next week with Armageddon 2001. Have either of you guys read any of this? No. No, but I've seen the both the movies Armageddon and 2001. Oh, okay. Space it's basically there a straight go. mashup. I, that's what I thought. So yeah, uh, no, it's um, it's crazy. I, I'm gonna drop one little hint for you. Oh, not hint. There's a little bit of knowledge here on you guys. So it's it's all based around the reveal of who a secret character is. <laughs> I I know. Oh, and it and they and it changed because it changed somebody get because there was a one nine hundred number that used to give out comic book secrets, 
and it revealed yeah. the the person, and so they went and changed it, but they changed it to a character where it makes no sense. Where where that the, the like basically the character was suspected of being the villain, and they give an in con like a contextual reason why he can't be, and then he is anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, hell yeah. I already know. I know who it is. I know all about it. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But it's going to be good anyway. Uh, it'll be something. Yeah. It'll be something. Um, so read along. Uh, Armageddon 2001, the, the, the two issues that make up the uh, – that make up the uh, the actual like series are on DC Universe, as are about half of the tie-in issues. So hopefully folks can read along and get some sense of what's going on there. Um, and if you get in touch with two-thirds of us, uh, I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And I am at Wilker Fox. You can find Vince uh, staring into a mirror saying, Kund or Kund, Kund or Kund, trying to decide <laughs> if he's going to pronounce it from now on for hours to come end. Oh, oh I'm always going to say Kund. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, I, I don't know what else to say after that. So, thanks for listening, everybody. The back with Armageddon 2001 next week, and uh, take care. Condolingus. <laughs>